0: Aloha and welcome to the Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph will be wrapping up our series with a message entitled Passing the Test of Faith. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. If you're growing in the Lord and your faith is growing, then you can count on it at some point or probably at several junctures in your life, God himself is going to test your faith. God is going to test your your faith, and as we get into this idea of God testing our faith, the the word "test" that's going to be used in the first couple of verses in the passage. In fact, let's go ahead and read them. Uh, it says later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, "Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah, and then get this: sacrifice him there." As a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. Now, I I want to you know I've shocked you with the thing that God asked of Abraham. So let's stop and and take a moment and talk about that. Abraham would have been alarmed at this instruction from God, like you would be alarmed if you are called on to give away the life of your child. It's going to tear you apart. He would not have been shocked, however. Abraham lived in a culture. For people, it was normal. I mean that word. I'm not just saying that. I mean that word. It was normal for people to sacrifice their child as a burnt offering to their God. Not to the God Jehovah. Not to the God of the Bible. To the God Moloch, and add a couple of others. Pagan gods, demonic spirits, inhabiting idols. That called on people to offer their children as a, as a sacrifice to a, to a fire. The god Molech looked much like a pear. You know, just take the shape of a pear, no legs on it, and put a little face on it, but put arms out in front of it, make them about that tall, built out of brass or clay, and build a fire around the base of the thing till it gets good and hot. And then people in this horrendous ceremony would get into chanting and dancing and then come and put their babies in the arms of this god Molech. This was... A normative thing in the culture of the of the of the Middle Eastern world uh, five millennium ago. Does that make... You got that? I mean, and, and it's not... I'm not talking about some obscure reference. There's several places in the Bible where the people of Israel are told that God's going to bring judgment on their nation because they've fallen prey to this kind of worship. Now what we're going to see happen here is God takes something that's despicable, that's a part of the culture... And he sets Abraham up. And he says, I want you to do this. You offer your son as a a sacrifice to me. And and then God's going to forever establish the fact, before this chapter is done, that he doesn't want people to do things like that. That God stands out as distinct from the, the, the gods that would destroy life. That God is here, as Jesus said, to bring life and to bring it abundantly. And as we see this process work through, God takes Abraham from where he is. He's a believer in the kind of stuff that goes on around him. And God lifts Abraham to where he understands that God wants to sponsor life, not to destroy life. Does that make sense? You're going to have to read the whole chapter for it to make total sense. But I want you to see the movement here. One of the things that I want you to know is all roads do not lead to the same place. You know, we live in a multicultural society and that's a good thing. But it stops being a good thing at the point that we blindly say, all religions are the same, because they are not. They have different consequences. If your religion leads you to tie dynamite around your body and go in a crowded place someplace and blow yourself up, that's different than a faith that says, I want people, all people, to have life. And I want all people to be loving. And I want all people to be forgiving of one another. And you cannot get very far down the road by kidding yourself. And it's kidding yourself to say all roads lead to the same place because they most certainly don't. Are you, are you with me? And so we see this. So God calls on Abraham and it says that he comes and he tests him. in The very first part of the chapter. And the word test means to test something like an assayer would test a precious metal. You know what it is. You just don't know how pure it is. You know that it's gold. You know, you brought your little sample out of the hills in California someplace, and you came to this uh, metallurgy office, and they're going to check how, the thing. But they, what they're, they know what it is. They just want to know how good is it. Well, that's the picture of God here. The Bible says that He is the author of our faith. So, the faith that Abraham has is a faith that God has invested in his heart. The Bible says that we come to the Lord and we're saved by faith, not by good works, but that we're God's workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we should walk in them. When it says God's workmanship, it's, the, the word could be God's masterpiece. God is working in you. He's working on you. He's trying to build your faith. He's trying to make you into something special. And every so often, He steps back to assay the process and see, how am I doing here? And in a sense, it's God who's being tested More than Abraham, it's what God has invested in Abraham's life. How is it working out? And God's stepping back to check it out. And and the thing that I need to tell you is, from time to time, that's going to happen in your life and in mine. Abraham is at the apex of his life here. We've struggled along with him for 10 weeks now, looking through the process of growth and change in his life. And we've seen him move forward and then backslide. He's come to a place where he's walking in the strength of the Lord and everything's going quite well. And God says, okay, now is the time. I want to test you and just see how good things are really working. And God will do that in our lives from time to time. And, and what we need to do is, is learn to have a heart of surrender. Abraham says, here I am, Lord. And it's kind of like, I'm ready. What do you, what do you got for me? He has no idea that God's going to ask him this horrid thing. But he's, I'm ready. I, I, I'm, I'm obedient. My heart is your heart. God, let's see where we're going. And so God asks him to, to literally destroy the life of his son. You know, it's interesting where it says to sacrifice Him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Um, the scripture in Isaiah chapter fifty-three, ten, tells us that that's exactly what God would do, is sacrifice the life of His Son for us. God is in the business of supreme sacrifice. He's really not asking us to be. Look at the next part, verse 3. I call this blind faith. It says, The next morning Abraham got up early, he saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped wood to build a fire for a burnt offering, and set out for a place where God had told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Now notice this. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young man. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there. And then notice what it says. We will come right back. Now what's this? The guy's been asked to go out and and kill his son as an offering to God and he says, my son and I will go here and worship, and we will return. The scripture in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19, tells us that Abraham was fully persuaded that God could bring back Isaac from the dead. If Abraham would walk with God to the point that he would do the thing... It's this horrible deed. He believed that God could restore life to his son. And so Abraham, according to the book of Hebrews, was truly walking in faith. Now, again, put this in context. If you look at this in terms of your own life, you can't even make this passage work. Because there's not one of us in this room that would do this to our our child. You know, my son stood up here on Friday night. And and, uh, I heard him get up here and talk about willingly... Surrendering the life that he had in California before we hired him, and he is a part of a of a church. He and his buddy uh, took over a church of ten people in Huntington Beach, California, and uh, five years later, the ten with two junior high students had turned into two hundred fifty on the weekends, uh, but in the midweek, separate from the two hundred fifty, really, were one hundred twenty kids in a youth group that had grown out of those two boys. So he had this this incredibly uh, fruitful time of his life. Had all kind of friends. Uh, been involved in a mini church that he stayed with for a long time, so they were really close with people uh, lived in a place that you can't believe the deal they got you know you could you could look out off the balcony and check the surf every morning uh, and it was two blocks away I just had it made and then we called him to come here and and, and work and he's talking about being feeling tested feeling his faith is tested got everything that I like about my life is being taken away from me but i'm willing to do that and he came here and and, and you know what? They're not out of the woods. God's slowly giving back the things that He took out of their lives, the relationships and that, by, by building new ones here. And then He starts talking about having to give up His son the way Abraham, Abraham had to give up Isaac. And, and it turns out my grandson's name is Isaac. And He's saying, there's no way in the world I would do that. I'll give to God this, but I'm not giving Him this. And there's no way that any of us would. But we didn't grow up in a culture where our next door neighbors had done that. So Abraham actually, truly believes that God's asking him to take the life of his son. He's got such faith that he believes that if he does surrender, God will give back to him the thing that God took from him. And, and that's where uh, it's, it's almost like blind faith. He's really placed his confidence in the Lord. Well, it goes on in verse 6, and it talks about God answering that faith of Abraham. It says, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders... And while he himself carried the knife and the fire. It's almost a picture of Jesus carrying the the burden of the cross to the hill of Calvary. It says, the two of them went on together and Isaac said, Father, yes my son, we have the wood and the fire, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And he says, God will provide a lamb, my son. Abraham answered, and they both went on together. And I think that he was speaking prophetically in two ways. One, that God will see us through this one way or another. And secondly, that God will provide a lamb was prophetic of what Jesus would do eventually on the cross. Verse 9, When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. There he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. That would be terrifying. You know, when I heard this on Friday night, Carl was talking about the the, the little hand that you place in yours. The little hand that's filled with so much trust. And now that little boy has grown up to be a man. And you're called on to do this hard thing. And what must have been going through Abraham's heart... And it says in verse 10 that Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, I'm listening. Lay down the knife. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Two things take place in that transaction. One is that forever after we would understand God distinguishes Himself from the gods of destruction as a God who creates and gives and sponsors and fills us with life. Does that make sense? Well, the second thing that you see is that Abraham, you know, you didn't withhold anything from me, that Abraham is more in love with the Creator than he is the creation. Abraham is more in love with the blesser than he is with the blessing. Abraham got into this whole relationship with God because there was a need in his life that wasn't being satisfied. He had no children. Remember, we've talked about that. God promised to bless Abraham, and now the thing that God has given to him, God says, give it back to me. And Abraham somehow makes the cut here where he says, you, God, as the giver, are more important to me even than the precious gift that you've given me. And Abraham, uh, how do you say this? Abraham passes the test. God looks at Abraham and says, you didn't withhold anything. You get it here. You understand. You're what's going on. But I would say, even in that process, Abraham takes another leap forward in his faith, in his walk with God. There's something there about surrendering that which is precious to you, to God who gave it to you. And that you really fasten your love on the Creator rather than the creation. On the blesser rather than the blessing. Because I believe that most of us come into our walk with God fairly selfishly. We, we do this as a matter of convenience. There's pain in my life, and if you can help me through the pain, I'll give my allegiance to you. That's faith, and that's good. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is that we love God more than the stuff that He gave to us, and that's where He's trying to work us toward. And that's what these kinds of things are all about. Am I making sense? Well, let's go a little further. Verse 13 says that Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. And so he took the lamb and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. And Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. This name has now become a proverb or a saying on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. In the high place with God... Your needs will be met. It will be provided. When it says that he looked up and saw, the idea is that the ram was already there. And Abraham hadn't seen it before. That God somehow removed the blinders from his eyes and he was able to see something that he'd failed to see before. And I I think that so often it's that way in our walk with God. We come to these crisis points. We come to these places of of, of pain and of loss and of fear and of concern. and, And in the midst of them, when we finally... Sometimes, to me, it's almost exhaust yourself. That you're willing to just say, Okay, God, you can have everything. Then it's a point that the Lord opens our eyes and we see the solution that He had placed there all along. You know, it may be you're trying to finance some venture in your business. and maybe you're trying to figure out a way to get back into relationship with somebody where you've spoiled the relationship and, and, and suddenly you realize, Oh, it's as easy as my humbling myself and going to that person and, and apologizing. Whatever it is. That the Lord will open your eyes. Abraham says that the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide is the name of the place. Um, the, the word Jehovah, where it, says Jehovah or where it says the Lord will provide, you might write these words. Jehovah, J-E-H-O-V-A-H. That's the name for God. Yahweh is how the Jews would pronounce it. Jehovah Jireh, J-I-R-E-H. And it's two words together, the name of God. And the word provision. The Lord will provide. You know Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 8. That when you have need. Before you even knew you had need. God knew you had need. And he made the provision there for you. That we need to get used to that. God who provides. The Lord who blesses. God who comes through when you need him. That's all that's being wrapped up in this. The Lord our provider. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord who provides. And it says that that name became so important that it became a proverb on the mountain of the Lord, in the place where God asks you of sacrifice. That's the place where God's going to provide and God's going to bless you and He's going to prove Himself in your life. Verse 15 says, The angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed Me and have not withheld even your beloved son, I swear by My own self that I will bless you richly. I will multiply your descendants into countless millions like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. And they will conquer their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. There's two places, if you have a pen in your hand, I'd like you to underline the same word. Where it says in the very beginning, this is what the Lord says, because. Underline the word because. And then in verse 18, it says, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because. In both places, it says, because you have obeyed me. You might want to underline that whole phrase. Because you have obeyed me. You see, obedience is the result of faith. Faith by itself is dead, the New Testament says. Faith without actions is dead. Faith is designed... see, we believe something about God. As a result of believing it, we step out and we do something. Because you have not just believed, because you have obeyed me. He says, I'm going to bless you. Every promise of God is an if-then kind of a promise. If you will do this, then I will do that, God says to you. So what do you do? You do the thing He says if you'll do this. And as you step out in obedience to whatever it is that God is asking of you or me, then it's at that point that He's going to bless us. Now, again, we're talking about our faith being tested. God coming to us and saying, you know what, that business that I gave you, well, I want you to surrender that to me. There's a guy that I, I used to really be into his music Way back in the dark ages in the, in the 1960s. And um, he became a Christian. And the Lord really rescued him from a life of rebellion and drugs, serious drugs in his life. And he was very famous as a, as a singer. And the Lord says, uh, First thing, you guys, you guys just beginning to grow in the Lord and you're just beginning to hear God's voice. And God says, Put the guitar down. Just want you to give it up. And the guy had made millions of dollars with his guitar and and his music. Give it up. Put it aside. Yeah, but God, don't you want me to sing for you? Give it up. Put it aside. Lay it down. And he did. He did. And he began to grow in the Lord and to be nurtured in the Lord and and to to have something to say besides his music. And and as he became stronger and stronger in the Lord, one day the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to play your guitar for me. And it was like the guy said, he was so confused by that not the first request, give it up, but the second request, because he had so thoroughly given it up. And he came back and, and God gave him music again and, 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 and then used the music as an instrument of his grace. I believe that God will give back, always, the thing that he asks for. But he does ask for it. He does ask for it. He gave it back to Abraham before he ever took it away. He never did take it away. But he asked for it. And Abraham had to come to the place in his heart where he's willing to just surrender and let go and somehow release and and really come to that place where I love the Creator more than I love the creation. I love the blesser more than I love the blessing. And I'm willing to let go and give it all back to you. Does that make sense to you? Notice this. He says, here's another thing to maybe underline. I will multiply. The word multiply is very good here. In Mark chapter 10... Verses twenty-nine and thirty. In fact, let's go read them. Write it down in your Bible next to the word "multiply." Mark ten, verses twenty-nine and thirty, and then let's go take a look at them in the New Testament. goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So, ought to be easy to find. Mark it says that Jesus replied, "I assure you that everyone who's given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now." Notice the word now. doesn't mean when you go to heaven. It means in the good old here and now. We'll receive now in return a hundred times over houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and property with persecutions. It'll still be tough. You're in the world. And in the world to come, they will have eternal life. That if you've surrendered something for God's sake, it's going to be given back to you a hundred times over in this world. You know, at every level, God has kept that promise. If you leave what I've called you to leave and you go where I'm trying to take you, I'm going to multiply and multiply and multiply blessings in your life. But it always comes through this valley of testing. Are you willing to love the blesser more than you love the blessing He already gave you? Are you willing to love the Creator more than that which He's created in your life? Because if you are, then He's willing to take you to the next level. And it's at that level that Jehovah who provides, Jehovah Jireh, becomes the multiplier of grace in your life and that's where God's trying to take us is to the next plane where he can multiply his blessings his goodness his graces in our life does this make sense you know as you just read this this chapter um, it's always a chapter I, I mean when I was young I hated that this was in the Bible why would God want to do that to Abraham's son and then I begin to realize he didn't what he wanted to do was press Abraham to the wall and see what he was made of and then I got it and now I look at it and it's it's, it's, such, it's so much like I would anticipate God to be. to, to, to you know, the way, Look at how everything works in life. You, you never get good in sports unless you, you, you weary yourself to the bone in the process. Everything that is wonderful has a sort of a price attached to it. And, and as faith grows, it's the same thing. It gets, it gets exercised to the extreme. And then it leaps to a new level. And that's the way that God is. And I would imagine that every life here Several times in your life, you're going to have times when the, the author wants to sit back and say, what kind of a job have I done here? i want to poke it around a little bit and test it. But in that very process, you come to the new level where the blessing is once again multiplied and, and many times over what God is asking of you, He gives back to you. Well, let's stop and pray here and uh, do a little business with God. Father, as we approach you this morning, having looked at this very terrifying and wonderful scripture... Terrifying in the one hand that it's never pleasant to think of you asking things from us. Wonderful on the other hand that it is wondrous when we think of the way that you multiply blessing and kindness and goodness in our lives. And Lord, as we look at all of this, um, we're we're caught up with you and wonderment at you. And Lord, we find ourselves trembling, but at the same time wanting to say, God, here I am. I'm, will, I'm willing to walk through the place of testing with you. I'm willing to enter into your grace more fully. I'm willing to say, God, come, come and check it out. You did a good job in what you've built in me. I invite you into my life at this level as, in, as much as any other. And God, we, we say that with, with a faith that, that at the same time acknowledges its own weakness and says, I, I come to you, Lord, a bundle of faith mixed with fear. But I reverence you, Lord. I want to hold the Creator above the creation in my life, Lord. I surrender to you. Now, I want you to keep your eyes closed a little bit longer and see. When the Bible talks about sin, it doesn't. It's not talking about misbehaviors. It's not talking about doing bad things. It uses the word sins to describe them, but the underlying concept is is this that sins are symptom, sin is the disease. But sin is simply turning your back on God trying to live without them. And when the Bible says that God sent His Son into the world to lay down His life as a sacrifice, it was to cancel the debt, the guilt of our sin. God wants to bring us into relationship with Him. And so if you're feeling estranged from God, uh, this would be a good time to say, God, please come into my life. I want You. I want everything You have for me. I want Your leadership. I want Your kindness in my life. I open my heart to You. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.